1: Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Hey, man, you know where to find us? You know where we're at? We're always around, we're always here. We are the most reviewed Lions podcast on the internet, the most reviewed, and still killing it here as we start 2022 after an amazing 2021 campaign, as we slowly bear down on, and I am trying to fix my. Uh, there is a broken piece of my of my headphones that is like coming out as I am sitting here. It is slowly coming out. It is unbearable. I'm trying to fix it. Uh, I am your adequate host, Chris Perfet, being very adequate to start at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And now while I try to fix this, I'm going to turn it over to our fearless leader, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online to finish the rest of the uh, of the intro
2: for our podcast, because we know don't, don't do do overs on this show. Damn straight. We don't. Uh, yeah. Hi, it's me. Editor-in-chief of Friday Detroit, Jeremy Reisman. Uh, back from the Senior Bowl. Excited to talk about that. Excited to talk about Super Bowl week. Excited to talk about a little bit of Lions offensive coordinator yes, search. Hello. And yeah, he's back. Chris is back. Oh, I I, I covered for you long enough. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so no, our
1: big topic today is the offensive coordinator for there, but we've got plenty of Senior Bowl to talk about. It is Pro Bowl week, and that means we turn it over to the biggest Pro Bowl fan in the world, Ryan Matthews. It's the rock guy. at ryan
3: underscore PD. is it back yes it's back it's
1: oh, all you baby. put it in let's go I put it back in i put it back in
3: all right <laughs> uh yeah i'm here uh let's just say that I've, <laughs> I've i've uh i've been waiting to do this show because we've been kind of going back and forth a little bit today about what we're going to talk about because uh we're quickly entering the dead season
1: we're quickly entering the dead season. We're also entering the messy bees part of the season where um, we've kicked the hornet's nest. <laughs> um, let's just say, well, actually we were the hornet's nest and we got kicked. We'll leave the, we'll leave the rest of that for um, maybe. Maybe, that's another, <laughs> maybe uh, you You said it. I wasn't <laughs> going to say it. You said it. You said it. It's been an interesting week. Jeremy's back from mobile. Uh, did you get Zaxby's as well as your, uh,
2: as well as the, uh, I did, did not. It? I didn't. I'm sorry. You didn't ra- get Zaxby's. I only got Raisin Canes, which gives a, a heart. I give a hearty two thumbs up. I actually got Raisin Canes twice. Shout out to them for being uh, open late because I was working till eight nine o'clock some of those days, and didn't have a lot of options. Zaxby's closed at nine, so that's that's why Raising Canes got the nod twice. They are coming to East Lansing as well. I think that's true. Yeah, Worth maybe ra- maybe Raising Canes review for scraps.
3: Maybe yeah. I'll get into it. Are are you wearing a Reese Senior Bull shirt right now? No, I am not. It's like, it's like, the, is it's like the same color. How dare you? It's it's right.
2: I'm not mean, that much of a draft me? guy. I am not that much of a draft. Everyone's called me a draft guy. I'm not a draft guy
3: yet. Stop it. Has not has nothing to do with you being draft guy. It has to be me knowing that you are I love free stuff guy okay, and I think you yes. probably got like getting a swag. free t-shirt yes. from getting Jim swag Nagy.
1: and yes, 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 fair. absolutely. Um, first off, before we get into Jeremy says, he's not a draft guy. And before we get into the draft coverage to lead our show, <laughs> which were in part, we will lean heavily on Jeremy's observations from mobile, Alabama, at the senior bowl. We need to give a thanks to all of our donors. Uh, yes. if in case you didn't miss this, we did not actually get the funding to go down to the senior bowl from, uh, the powers that be around here. So jeremy and i we did a simulcast stream of the was the divisional yes it was the divisional round or no it was the wild card round it was that uh super wild card weekend it was the monday game against the rams and within the first i think we strong-armed you into doing it yeah putting up the donation link and within though the first 15 minutes 15, i was gonna say 30 but yes Fifteen minutes, we had already raised enough. Like we raised our, our our funding goal to send Jeremy down to Alabama.
2: Yeah. So before I get into any of my observations, I feel like it's only fair to to call out those people because I wouldn't have any observations about these people. So really quickly, all the people that donated: Jason Walter, Jeffrey Carter, Brennan McAllister, Bradford Evan, Marvin Hudgens, uh, David Turpin, Christopher. Perfet, it says Lemieux, but Perfet. Uh, uh, Kenny Mike McGuire, <laughs> Brandon, that out. Brandon Kuntz, Trevor Van Volkenberg, Paul Harmson, Zachary Hug, Jason Archibald, and DJ Fence. Thank you so much, all of you. Very, very much appreciate uh, all of the the support uh, that you guys have given. And I know a lot of you guys support us uh, throughout the entire year. Um, but very much appreciated uh, funding my trip down there.
3: Yeah, it doesn't stop with these people, man. These people just continue to support. All the time. I mean, yeah. November charity campaign. And then, I got a very what, generous, not, not even two months later, we're sending you to the senior bowl. I was going to say,
1: I, I I'm quiet about it, but uh, like someone gave me a very generous donation before the season even began for a particular need as well. So um, like, yeah, we've been like, you guys are awesome. Your community. Yeah. We love you. Which is a good reminder. Join our discord. Um, if you need the discord link, I'll probably post it somewhere on social media. And you can dig around and, uh, or check the Twitch replays twitch.tv slash pride Detroit, where someone will probably hit exclamation point discord and share the discord link. And you can join us there never stops. But I think that's enough beating around the bush. It's time to make Jeremy wear his draft scout hat and tell us about hand size and 40 (laughs) times and, you know, quickness and zip on the ball and everything else and talking about We get one more take out of Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. But I think we are going to start with the biggest position, with the biggest news out of there, the biggest hype that came out of there that has Ryan very intrigued, that had a whole week of just incredible, insane amounts of fluff and hype from every corner. And that is at the quarterback position with Malik Willis and other notes from the quarterbacks. What do you have for us, Jeremy, Mr. Draft Guru?
2: Well, I was going to, let me, let me, before we get into Malik Wills, because I think Ryan will, will dominate the conversation there, even though he wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> I just want to kind of talk about the overall experience <laughs> in, in the senior bowl and, and maybe talk in, in case people want to go in future years, because it was kind of a rough year because the weather didn't cooperate. Um, we didn't get to see Thursday's practices. So I really only saw three out of the six practices, uh, but it, it, it's definitely about a lot more than that. It's about, you know, sharing observations with with cool people down there. You know, I spent a lot of time with Kent. I spent a lot of time with the athletic guys watching practices because I know those guys know those people pretty well. Um, you know, and, and and Brett Whitefield, formerly of PFF, now of uh, what is it, FTN? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then obviously this year was was a big boon just being able to talk to the Lions coaches in in kind of a looser settings and and getting to know those guys on a more personal level. Um, and so while while I was a little disappointed in being able to not being able to give out as much observations as I would have liked seeing only half of the practices, it was definitely worth the entire trip. Um, just to kind of, to make those connections, to, to see the coaches in, in, a, in a different light and, uh, and just try something new. I don't like, I don't know if I'm going to be going to the senior bowl every year if the lines aren't coaching it, but uh, I'm glad I
3: have that under my belt. So Malik, Malik, Willis, Willis. Malik Willis. <laughs> that, is that what we should talk about now? Sure. Um, well, we are, let me we just are ask, talking
1: about Willis. I,
3: <laughs> I need I need to ask this question to both you guys because I, I think something obviously really unique happened to Malik over the course of the Senior Bowl practice week that I, I didn't think would happen in such a hurry. Like, I think that it would take a little bit more time. Um, I don't know why I did, but I was just really surprised to see him be like, you know, a lot of people's quarterback three, quarterback four, um, sometimes quarterback five, sometimes quarterback six. Like as we've seen from some of the PFF guys, I think PFF, Mike um, didn't even have him in his top five still after the senior bowl, but like it felt like he just rocketed to quarterback one. And like the, the question is like, did that week help do it for some teams or is that just a large overreaction by, you know, people that maybe caught some observations and, and now they're pushing for this guy?
1: I want to, I want to jump in before Jeremy, because Jeremy, I think being closer has the better view, but at least from my armchair view, I think it's, it's a bit of an overreaction in that we did. That was the, like we saw a lot of the quarterbacks that were in the conversation there, except for one. And that was Matt Corral. Right. And Matt Corral. Am I, is it Corral yeah, or it's Corral? Corral. Corral, excuse me. But after talking with Bucky Brooks and Bucky Brooks is insistent, there's only two guys that he deems first round grades in this. And one of them is Corral. So I think the fact that Corral was not there, wasn't on the spotlight and really didn't have much of a spotlight down at Ole Miss. We saw some games out of him, but not exactly to the level that Willis got of a spotlight out wow. of the senior bowl that Corral was kind of the victim of a little bit of uh of, I don't want to say stasis, but you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like he was out of the, he was out of the spotlight for a while while his Willis was in there. But by by that, uh, I was going
3: to say, Chris, by that same token, I saw an awful lot of draft people say, you know, I spoke to so-and-so and uh, and they said that Matt Corral had the best senior bowl week just by saying he wasn't there. Yes. I, I, I could buy that. I could buy that. Like,
1: I think though, that he We'll, we'll get back to around him probably around the time of the combine, but I think other than Corral, I think Willis has done the most to improve his stock out of any, any other quarterback prospect out there.
2: Yeah. I think Chris has a good point on Corral. He's definitely the the, the one that has just been left behind in this conversation as one of the, the one out of the perceived top six quarterbacks that weren't there, but I don't know, my my experience with with Willis wasn't quite as hyped up as, as everyone else's. So I think I think there is something to it being a little bit over exaggerated. But at the same time, like I think we all knew coming in that he had the most to gain, right? The most to gain and the most to prove. And he put a lot of the the doubts to rest. Like there were a couple really good reps where he went through his progressions found the guy that that he needed to to find and that's that that was the biggest question right he he's coming from liberty not a very complicated offense can he handle bigger level competition can he handle handle more specific um complicated offenses and for the most part he really did i think that the biggest question that remains is is still his touch and and obviously like just doing it in one week is is not going to put all of those doubts to to bed. Like I I still think most people view this as at least a one year project before he's playable. And I know, I know this, this is going to point to an article that I think you're working on Ryan, but that kind of falls into lion's lap pretty, pretty nicely. If, if, if it is a one year plan, but I I, like, I don't know, I, I didn't come away quite as wild as everyone else, but he's a fun, like he, I mean, He's a fun guy to watch, and he was fun to watch this week, especially in the game, too. Like, unfortunately, he only threw, threw the ball four times in, in the actual game itself, but those legs were moving, and that's, that's what the Lions are missing right now is, is a mobile two, dude. Two
1: things before I let Ryan jump back into it. One, Jeremy said touch. So any questions about him being a draft guy or not are immediately put to bed. He, <laughs> he talked about a quarterback's touch and needing to see it develop. Um, the second thing is that, yeah, I think I I agree with Jeremy in that this week was huge for him because as we had talked with Bucky, like for a lot of these guys is their first time working in an NFL system on these on be it the collegiate bowl, the shrine bowl or the senior bowl, like all of these games, they are working with NFL staff working in pro systems. And yeah, that's true of Willis who came from even before Liberty came from Auburn. He was at Auburn who does the farthest thing from a pro from a pro ready system. And it goes to Liberty where he doesn't have good receivers. He doesn't have a good offensive line and is, you know, it's, what is it? A Hugh freeze system. So it's not even like, it doesn't, still doesn't look like a like a pro system. So the fact that he could adapt to that and look, you know, like he's made a lot of progress in an NFL offense coached offense, I think says a lot to him.
2: Yeah. And, and like, like everything, it, it's about progression through the week, right? It's not how you looked on, on Tuesday, the first day of practice, not how you look on Wednesday. It's how you looked on Friday and the game. And and I think that's probably when he shined the best again. I didn't get to see him, unfortunately on, on Thursday, I just kind of watched from, from my hotel room, like everyone else did at home. Uh, but, you know, reports from the people who were there reports from the people who were on the broadcast was that he looked really good. And what another guy that I thought really improved his stock throughout the week was, was Ritter. He was a guy who I thought looked horrible on Tuesday. I'm like, what does anyone see in that dude? And he kind of lit it up in the game. And again, that's, that's what it's all about. It's taking the coaching points and, and using them and learning them and getting better as you develop chemistry with your receivers and things like that. So I think Ritter helped himself too. And, and Pickett I don't think did anything to, to hurt himself. Um, he didn't, didn't measure his hand, which I guess is a, is a, it's a thing, but um, he'll be doing that uh, it, uh, at least according to himself and at the NFL combine next month. So um you know, I, I think overall uh, the quarterbacks mostly helped themselves out after kind of a, a rough start of the week. But since Malik had the most to gain, uh, I think that's the reason why we're we're hearing all the hype now. The question is, is it enough to be the number two pick? And I don't know. Do, do we want to get into that conversation right now? Or do we no,
1: I think I think Ryan more? wants to get it one more one more thing in with Willis. Okay.
3: No, I, there was just multiple times where I was like, yeah, let's take all of this and talk about whether or not it's a viable option at number two. And I, I think I, I'm not going to say. And I think it's an overreaction to say that just because of a week of Senior Bowl practices, this guy can shoot up. Like, I mean, the general consensus again, amongst a lot of people, were quarterback three, four, five,
1: not first round. Like Bucky told us, not first round.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about like may, maybe a fringe situation. Not that they're so similar, but like, just like Lamar Jackson, where it was like people were wondering whether or not he was day two or or day one. And then the Ravens trade up to get him at 32. Um, I, I don't know if we can put Willis at two, but I think what we can do is I think that we can put a quarterback at number two. I think that that's a viable option for the Detroit lions. And I think it makes the most sense to go with a high upside guy like Willis though, because you you see what the San Francisco 49ers paid to get Trey Lance. They didn't use Trey Lance because they thought that they could get what they could out of a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. Once Jimmy showed that he wasn't healthy, it was too late and they were done. But like, I, I think what you saw there was a, a team that identified a quarterback that had high upside and had the luxury of having a quarterback that they could play in front of them. I'm not saying that Jared Goff is Jimmy Garoppolo. But what I am saying is like Jared Goff is good enough to do a Jimmy Garoppolo impression. And I think that opens the door for a quarterback at two. Um, If that guy, if the Lions decide that that guy is Matt Corral, then then, okay, it's Matt Corral. Um, I think it would make less sense for it to be a guy like you say, Jeremy, like Ritter, Ritter really impressed. I don't know if he has the the ceiling. I don't know if, you know, some of the other guys like Carson Strong, I don't know if those guys necessarily you can start shooting up to two. But I think that there is a there's a tier emerging of quarterback that will probably get even smaller as we get closer to the draft. But I'm very comfortable with the Detroit Lions and taking I, quarterback I back at I, number two now.
1: Well, here's the thing too, is like, I, I don't think, if you like the guy, it's going to be risky to trade back to. Like as much as we like to say, oh, you could trade. It'd be nice to say, oh, yeah, you could trade with the Jets and move back to four. But you don't know that the guy's still going to be there if anyone gets a whiff that like other teams are interested too. At that point, you just that it's it's nice in an ideal world or in trade machines, but in reality, you can still get
2: sniped. I've got two points. First, I like. I'm Mister Trade Down. I don't think it's happening this year. I don't think there's. I don't think there's a, a prospect to jump up to get. And usually, if there is, it's going to be a quarterback. So I don't think trading down and getting Malik Willis is is a realistic option. The the other thing I want to go back to is is kind of comparing the San Francisco situation because yes, they have a quarterback uh, in place that that gives them the luxury to to get a guy that they can wait on, but they also had a roster that was pretty good overall where they can afford to do something like that. The Lions don't. The Lions need talent, and they they, and do they need it in 2022? No, not necessarily, but they need talent. They need guys that they're sure that can ball. And, and Malik is, is a significant risk. He is really any quarterback is like, I I don't think one week in mobile is going to suddenly change and suddenly say, wow, now, now this quarterback class is actually a lot better than we thought it is. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. And so I I just think it's, it's a pretty big risk for a team that can't really afford risks with a second overall pick
3: the i want to say one last thing please because this is my favorite part of the podcast in months but anyways (laughs) um i i i think to jeremy's point like for a while i was considering like okay take one of the edge rushers at two and then go ahead and and package up those 34 and 32 picks to move up to get willis i i think that that's the wrong move i think that the better move a, a, a move that's more conducive to team building. Like Jeremy just said about the San Francisco 49ers, you can get more top 100 picks. If you just take the quarterback at two and then take, take a, take a guy at 32, take a guy at 34, <coughs> you're going to get two more picks in the top 100. You can get five picks in the top 100. You hit on some of those guys and you get some guys back from injury, like Romeo Aquara and Jeff Okuda. Then the team I'm not saying it's San Francisco 49ers because you got a freak like Nick Bosa, right? right? Right. So then the alternative is you might be passing on your opportunity to get your in Nick Bosa at, at number two and getting Thibodeau or Hutchinson. And look, I get it, but I just a Malik Willis
2: fan, man. I get it. I get, listen, I I'm, I'm excited to see the rest of what he's got the rest of the offseason. I don't know, unfortunately that was like, that was the week where he can impress the most, right? Like he'll run at the combine and, and he'll put up crazy numbers, but we all already know that stuff and he'll throw on seven and sevens or whatever they do at the NFL combine and, and he'll have a rocket we'll, arm. Yeah. And he'll have a rocket arm, but there's nothing really, I think that he can prove other than, you know, personal interviews that he's doing with teams uh, that that'll change our mind. And unfortunately we don't get to be privy to those meetings.
1: All right, let's uh, let's take some time. We've got some other like guys to get to. I know that uh, Chad Muma. I've heard his name come up a lot, linebacker out of Wyoming. A um, lot of interest this year, Jeremy, on wide receivers for Lions. Obviously, I think Lions are in a prime position around 32 or 34 um, to take a wide receiver. So, like, I know Calvin Austin and Christian Watson were both on down
2: there in Alabama. Do you have any other notes for guys that we can uh, talk about here? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I think it's, it's important to note that that Dan Campbell in his ever loving quest to, to leak information or, or, or just tell the truth. Um, I think he's just team- telling the truth. Like well, this yeah, idea well, that that he's playing, he, he can't but, not tell the truth.
1: Well, like like he, I, I, so someone was asking me this question about like, do you think he's playing fourth di- four dimensional chess or like, no, he's not playing no. chess out there. Like we, we, We've also learned firsthand that that doesn't work,
2: right? right. Isn't that what Bob right. Quinn tried to do right. and it didn't work? Like you I, I'm not like, trying to criticize the guy, but like you can see him physically trying to not say stuff sometimes, and he'll say stuff. Like he just. But I don't think people, people are like writing it all down. No, in the well, he, continued
1: statecraft of the NFL right.
2: because it's no secret that the Lions need a linebacker. There's no secret that the Lions need a wide receiver, but to hear him basically say that. We're looking to add a wide receiver, and we're looking to add a, a linebacker. Is not something you typically see, and like I said, not a surprise, not that, not that telling. But yeah, Chad Muma was probably my favorite linebacker, off-ball linebacker out there in Mobile. You you can just tell from his cadence out there, like how much of a leader, how much he gets it. Like he's the one, he he's essentially the guy with the green dot out there. You can tell because he he grasps concepts very quickly, and he's very very just heady player. Um, wide receivers mentioned Christian Watkins, Calvin Austin. I think Christian Watkins is probably the more likely target for the Lions because, you know, the Lions coaching staff even said, like, they're kind of looking for that outside receiver who they can just trust on throwing the ball and he'll him going up and getting it. Dude has a really impressive release. I think he's like six, three, two. So he's tall, speedy, good release. I think he's, he's a guy they're going to look at, but Calvin Austin is also very, very fun question. There is just how much can you trust a, what is it? Five, nine, five, seven, five, eight, whatever a very short receiver. It's hard to find a a role for that in the NFL. But again, he's a guy who has a really good release as well. Not a lot of corners could get his hand on it. Shifty dude, my favorite guy of the entire week, who I will openly admit I had no idea who was. He's the guy who ended up winning, I think the senior bowl MVP for the game, but it was how he just dominated the first two practices that caught my eye is uh, uh, Oklahoma's defensive tackle, Parnell Winfrey. That dude moves for a 300 plus pounder uh, and, and he can, he can bully you over, but his short area quickness is really what kind of blew me away. And I think he had two sacks in the game itself. That dude made himself a lot of money. And I think, you know, looking back, I think it was, he was kind of like a round two or three guy. I think he may have worked his way into the first round conversation after, after the week he had. Um, so he, those are kind of my biggest standouts of the week.
1: Anyone else we need to talk about? No, I like it. I think Jermaine Johnson's a great idea. It's like, if you're, if you're not going to take Hutchinson or Thibodeau up at two, like, you know me,
2: I'm Mr. Edge. I'm the Edge I, Lord. I, I am I'm too. the I, Edge Lord here. I, I think in, for, from a Lions perspective, it might have been a bad week regarding him because I don't think he's going to be there anymore at the bottom of the, of the first round. Some, really? some people are even talking about him in the top 10 now. Over Car- like That's you think wild. you could like take over from like say Carl Loftus and move up to De three probably. It's possible. I do think it's possible. Yeah. All
3: right. What uh, you know? What? I just had one more name that I wanted to throw out there. Well, two more names. um Christian Watson. We, we talked about him at all? We yeah. did. <laughs> okay. But, well, I just want to make sure. But the other one, and I know you didn't say his name, was JoJo Doman. Hmm. JoJo. I, JoJo. I mean, I
1: didn't,
3: I, I knew Chris was going to love the name did. but like he definitely fits the mold right of like one of these like uh coverage linebackers that I think the Lions could be interested in like early day 3 I think I think that's kind of like a like an ideal projection for him um but uh maybe maybe 5th round I don't know what whatever the Lions end up having in terms of draft picks uh by the time they get there who knows but um yeah I, I I'm really talking myself into the whole Jermaine Johnson thing. If he, yeah, but I think that, I think that ship sailed at 32 or 34. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts my Malik Willis plan a little bit. Sorry, bud. I'm still stuck on Jojo. <laughs> Just, Sorry. It, I mean,
2: if, if the Lions can somehow pull, like get the Jets two, two first round picks by trading down. There you go. You get Malik and you get, you get,
1: uh Man, we're we're, we're, we're drinking the he- in the Kool-Aid top 10. Heady right now we really what?
3: are i, I just want to <laughs> say that chris chris would be chris would be a big fan of that i would
1: all right let's take a quick break when we come back um we got breaking we, news chris we we have breaking news that uh we should let people behind the curtain on what happened on stream there was a huge edited part in this segment so we're going to talk about the news that broke plus in, in regarding at least one lions coordinator plus <clears throat> the other coordinator that still remains a question for the Lions that we're going to discuss. The offensive coordinator position is still open and there's a lot to be talked about um, on multiple fronts. And we're going to try to make sure we stay above the board on, on most of those fronts because uh, we could get nasty, but we're not going to. Instead, we're going to keep it professional here on the Friday of Detroit PODcast coming up next.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome
1: back to the Friday Detroit PODcast. Um, news kept coming in while we were on break. And um, we couldn't... Uh, we, needed, we, 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 a we need a breaking news theme. I don't. Well, it's this is recorded and coming out on
2: Tuesday, like 3 a.m. So it's not really breaking news by then, Jeremy. But it's exciting to us. And, and the people listening need to know that this is fresh, the fresh off the press, getting hot takes off the press. The people listening live had
1: a long ass scraps where we were talking about it, though. So it's not breaking news again. So, like, what are we doing?
2: I don't know. The, the energy they can feel in our voices, they need to know is fresh.
1: Anyway, let's talk about it, though. Um, big news on the defensive side. So we are here. Our primary topic is talk about the offensive coordinator before we get to that two pieces of news on the defense. Um, first off that the new Orleans saints are officially hiring, or at least the reports out that they will hire Dennis Allen as their new head coach. Means their interviews with Aaron Glenn, current lions defensive coordinator. Don't have to worry about it, Detroit. He's probably coming back. I think that is our last um, head coach opening that was resolved, I believe.
2: Yep, and yeah, I, I think it's safe to say he will be back next year for a second year which is obviously important to the development of the lions and and their young players if you're if you're looking towards the compensatory picks when when he eventually leaves and i am saying when because i do think aaron glenn gets an opportunity very soon it now means the Lions will be eligible at the end of next year to get compensatory Mm -hmm. picks if aaron glenn does get poached the only who um, he has to jump through is not get fired essentially here. Lions fire him, you don't get any sort of sure. compensatory picks. But if he gets poached from your squad for a head coaching job, compensatory picks.
3: But-, but you know who? Oh, man, I wanted it. Go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> you want to tee it up? Go for it. Reset. Do it alive. But you know who the Lions might not receive compensatory picks for on the defensive side of the ball. That's right. Tom
1: Pellicero reporting on Monday that the Vikings have put in a request to interview lions, defensive backs, coach, passing game coordinator, Aubrey pleasant for their defensive coordinator job. Now this is, this is important because pleasant used to work with Kevin O'Connell, he, who is now the Vikings head coach. They worked together last year in Los Angeles so it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's up to the lions on whether or not
2: like they're they going to, like, they can't deny this request. They cannot it is, deny it as a the promotion. Um, and yeah, I mean, the timing is interesting, right? Aubrey pleasant just spent the entire week as the lions defensive coordinator for the American team at the senior bowl. And Aubrey pleasant was actually asked about that. And he said like, it never even occurred to him that he might be on display for other teams. And I don't I don't know if that's what led to the interview. Obviously, like you mentioned, Kevin O'Connell knows um Aubrey Pleasant already. So there is a former relationship there. But it is kind of interesting that, that Pleasant was the the defensive coordinator for a week, and then all of a sudden he gets his first defensive coordinator interview. And it it's a big jump for him, right? He hasn't called plays, he's he's the role he's in now is 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 uh something like the past game coordinator thing is something that I don't think he's had in his career. So it's a quick jump for him, but I, I'm not putting him out of this conversation yet for sure none whatsoever um okay let's move on from that well really quick like i want to ask ryan like how how big of a loss do you think this would be like obviously it's it's early and and there's there's no saying whether he lands the job or not but if the Lions lose aubrey pleasant how how big of a gut punch is it
3: i'm i'm not i'm not not all that turned off by it. Like, no. I mean, I, I think, I think the big get the big retain was Aaron Glenn. I think keeping Aaron sure. Glenn in house was, was probably the biggest move that the lions could make this off season um, in terms of their coaching. Like the, there was just no, I mean, even whoever they decide on being the offensive coordinator, keeping Aaron Glenn in Detroit was, was, I, I think essential in them being successful moving forward.
1: Hold the phone, hold the phone. We were going to talk about offensive coordinators and we might've just recorded a bunch of stuff that we now have to throw out, but news breaking on Monday that Ben Johnson has been promoted to the full offensive coordinator role in Detroit from Tom Palacero, uh, Ben Johnson, take who was the tight ends coach who has been, I thought going into this, Jeremy was the leading candidate to get the job to begin with, because I thought he did such a good job in season to change the playbook a lot and work with closely with Dan Campbell to change everything, to implement a new play style after Anthony Lynn and to to really reemphasize the pat like the short passing game that I thought that was good enough and they had ha- had such good chemistry that I thought he seemed like the shoe in for promotion and clearly that is what happened here. Rather than going external, um, I know you had been talking like we didn't even have a really a candidate list from this week. That Dan Campbell had talked a little bit about it, but I I that's that's part of it too. Is like I thought that he was a shoe-in because we hadn't really heard much to the opposite effect.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the job that Ben Johnson did, and like you said, he took over midseason, uh became kind of a, a superstar in that building. You know, Jared Goff, TJ Hawkinson. You know, the rest of the staff, they've they've all raved about what the job Ben Johnson has specifically done with developing plays, specifically when it comes to the passing game. I mean, TJ Hawkinson basically said, and and this never officially happened, but basically said he became the pass game coordinator for that offense. And um, we saw the results. We saw the Lions go three and three down the stretch. We saw Jared Goff become a, a legit looking quarterback again. He went three and one down the stretch. We saw Amon Ra breakout. We saw a lot of good things in the passing game specifically. My only question was going into the search was what are they going to do to kind of supplement the, the run game stuff that Anthony Lynn brought. And that's a question we still don't have. There's still a lot of questions that we still don't have answers to. We don't know who's calling plays. And I think that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle that we need to figure out. You kind of have to assume that since Dan Campbell was the one calling plays while everything was working out, that that's probably where this is going to go, but not necessarily. I mean, Ben Johnson won a lot of people over in that locker room. And I think one of the more interesting parts is it was, he wasn't a part of this, uh, this coaching, this new coaching staff. He was already part of the lions. He was someone that, that, um, that that was inherited by this new regime. And I think that that speaks a lot to how good he's doing, right? Because he isn't, he isn't a guy that had favors with, with, Dan Campbell. He's a guy, I, I think they do have a shared history, but at the same time, like he's a guy who proved himself this year. And so it's not at all a surprise that the lines went in this direction. I just need to know more. I want to know who, I want to know who's calling plays. I want to know if the lines are going to have someone to kind of come in and, and supplement the job that, that uh, uh, Anthony Lynn was doing. And uh, we'll, we'll obviously have to kind of shake that stuff out as it comes. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm not surprised and I'm not an unhappy. I think it's a smart move and, um, you know, w- the one thing we've been saying about this coaching staff is that they, they seem to be developing from within. And this is, this kind of goes towards more of that. Now Ben Johnson is going to have an opportunity that he hasn't had before. And um, I think this is a good opportunity for him to grow and see if he, if the line's got something special on him.
3: And, and to that point too, Jeremy, I think one of the tenets of Dan Campbell and his coaching staff has been collaboration. So I don't think it stops just with Ben Johnson becoming the offensive coordinator I think I think probably play calling duties stay with Dan Campbell. I think that being the run game coordinator that Anthony Lynn was in the in the second half of the season, I I think that maybe that might go in-house somewhere else too. I think I think Deuce Daly is an obvious um, I think it makes sense for maybe him to assume some of those responsibilities because sure. he is the running backs coach, he is the assistant head coach. Um, maybe he can handle that. Maybe it goes to um, you know some I guess my, my overall point is that I think it stays in house. And I think that they kind of piecemeal this thing together as a collaborative effort to, to achieve the same success that they had in the second half of, of the, of uh, the 2021 season, because it, w- it was pretty obvious. And I think that's why I was so comfortable with Ben Johnson taking over um, as offensive coordinator. Cause I, I, I don't think that just because he becomes OC that it's all on his plate. Like he's going to be brought along like on that same kind of on that same kind of trajectory that like Dan Campbell's career went on too. You know what I mean? Like he, he slowly added responsibilities, a tight ends coach and then being an assistant head coach and then getting the head coach job after, you know, being an intern for a little while. Like I think that progression is still going to exist. And I think that the lions are going to keep this primarily in house. So. And just to to kind of, of
2: To, to, to hype up Ben Johnson a little bit more, not that he necessarily needs it. I th- I think this is kind of the natural time for him to be getting this sort of opportunity anyways. Not necessarily that he was a, a, a rising star that everyone in the NFL knew about, but like he's had his hands all over the offense, right? Like he's he's a former quarterback. He's, he's a tight ends coach. He's a wide receiver coach. He's an offensive line coach. I mean, he's had a little, he's had his hands in just about every part of, of an NFL offense that you, you could possibly be. And he's been around coaching in the NFL ranks since 2012. So it's not, he's not just like this guy that the lines are just randomly taking a shot on. He's right. earned his opportunity here, not just by, you know, turning things around in, in eight games last year, but he's really kind of built his resume up. And I, I think this is a natural time for him to, to take over. So I guess I, I
1: have two questions for you guys. And it's both about elements, basically elements that he didn't really deal with last year when he was kind of taking over is that one anthony lynn still from what we understand was still kind of a a run game coordinator he's obviously gone and then we have to see what happens we just talked about aubrey pleasant like you know if aubrey pleasant does take the the vikings defensive coordinator job that removes what was the passing game coordinator are those concerns at all for ben johnson do you see him taking up those roles as well or do you think the lions will probably find some position coaches to kind of move those responsibilities on to our new hires for that.
2: It, it's a good. I, th- I, th- I think it, they would be smart to add more people. Um, but like, I, I, th- I don't, I wouldn't shy away from Ryan's solution of just do Staley taking over, adding a little bit more responsibilities to, to his plate. Um, I don't know, like assistant head coach, it, it's kind of hard to know exactly what they're doing. Um, but yeah, like if, if you're going to make Deuce, the, the run game coordinator, I think you have to promote someone maybe to be the running backs coach. And obviously the lions had a good test in doing that last week, right? Do Staley took an elevator role as head coach. So everyone else kind of had to step up. So they at least have a, an opportunity to, to know what that looks like already from their experience in the senior bowl. And, and we'll see who kind of plays out and, and, and takes those roles, but they have, you know, offensive assistance on staff that, that might be in line for uh, a promotion as well. We just kind of have to wait and see how that plays out.
3: I think to answer Chris's question uh, directly is that I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they go outside and hire somebody else, but uh, I, I trust Game, I, I trust Dan Campbell and uh, I, I, I trust the decisions that he's going to make to whoever he puts in those positions because, I mean, let, let, call a spade a spade. Like Al, Ar- Aaron Glenn got a head coaching. Uh, you got two head coaching interviews. Aubrey Pleasant has a defensive coordinator, you know, interview going on, like clearly the guy has an eye for talent uh, and, and picking the right coaches. So if if they want to go out and find some new people, cool, add them to the fold. If not, if they think that they can, they can, you know, put it together internally, I trust them to do that too.
2: Quick, quick other thing. So obviously the lines need a new tight ends coach um, too. With, with Ben Johnson now, right. the offensive coordinator. I think the natural pick there is Tanner Angstrom, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, took over essentially that tight ends room once Ben Johnson became the pass game coordinator. And then the the other thing I wanted to just pose to you you all, is, is there any trepidation at all that the Lions didn't go with an outside hire here? You know, but Dan Campbell basically said that they were going to interview at least a couple of people down there at the Senior level. We don't know if those interviews actually ever happened, but is there any, I don't know, disappointment that the Lions didn't, try to try something else?
1: No, I, I mean, I, the only trepidation I have is that watching past trends. Like, let, let me just put it this way. I don't think this is a Jim Bob Cooter call up, right? Like, cause that that's basically what happened with Jim Bob Co- Cooter. He went from the quarterbacks coach, to the OC, he had a brief bit of success. He was wildly applauded. And then he completely dropped off the face of the earth. I don't see that in the same vein, mostly because, well, a Jim Bob, I mean, the Ben Johnson, isn't getting that same kind of like insane hype around him, but also that he's working a lot closer with the same head coach here that I don't think that's an issue. Jim Bob Cooter obviously worked with two different head coaches. Um, I don't, I, I mean, that that's my only trepidation is maybe you should have looked at some other guys, but Again, if this is going to be Dan Campbell's baby, then it's going to have to be with what, who he's com- most comfortable with. And clearly he has a set parameter for guys he wants to work with. He wants to work with guys who have a lot of experience being in the game itself. He wants to find guys who he, he works with well in the locker room, which Ben Johnson t- taps. like. And I think it's also just good politics internally to promote your guys when they do well in those kind of situations that yep. Ben Johnson did. I don't know if anything like, I don't, the, I don't think he's going to get quote unquote figured out like Cooter was. So I don't think that like not right away, at least. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I needs more data. I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I, I like that point you made that it's good politics, right? It, it's mm-hmm. it's a good look that a guy who by all means became a superstar in that, in that coaching staff last year is now getting rewarded for it. I think that's, that's important to note because it, it people see that.
3: Anything left to say, Ryan?
2: Nothing. Nothing?
3: Nothing Nothing at all? Nothing Nothing at all. Nothing to add to all of this
1: wildly speculative stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That we are using replacing other wildly speculative stuff we might have just recorded an hour ago. Um, All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit PODcast, cast. going to try to wrap up this show by, uh, hey, let's talk about the Senior Bowl. Yeah? Senior? Yeah. Oh,
2: I think we already talked about the senior bowl. We already talked about the senior
1: We try that again. <laughs> Let's talk about the pro bowl, huh?
2: Ooh, huh? Yeah. No, I rather, I rather talk about the senior bowl again.
1: <laughs> Draft guy. We'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Friday Mm -hmm. Detroit POD cast Uh, wrapping up the show here. First things first, I need to kill this tick where I keep calling it the senior bowl when I mean to say pro bowl. So I'm I'm going to say pro bowl about a few times and hopefully I won't drive off our audience. I swear we'll talk more than just pro bowl here. Jeremy had like a take on Stafford. I really wanted to talk about um, since, you know, we're into the, into the uh, Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. That's right. Uh, the grimmest time of year for anyone who ever works in radio, working radio row. Um, however, before we do that, Jeremy, do we have any more reviews to read?
2: <laughs> we do. And I have misplaced my phone in all of the chaos. Okay, of, of no, today's it's fine. Recording. It's
1: fine. Yeah. So for those who don't,
2: who are just like uh,
1: tuning in a little late, um, we've had like three different breaking news that where we've had to re-record a bunch of this stuff. So um we've been kind of busy yes anyway i can read some of them jeremy I'm go for, for it, it. all I right uh and hopefully i don't absolutely accidentally um reread some of the stuff we already do um so let's see i remember we did fuse babies review last time and we brought back the rock god just for him um Did we do i shut him down we did i think we did so let me get we got three new reviews then uh, Little Mao says this is the best Detroit-based Rams podcast. <laughs> five stars. Uh, S.W. Juggalo, five stars. Best variety. The three hosts provide the best variety of takes on the Lions out of all the podcasts I've found so far. They're fun to listen to, and their general assumptions on the on the from week to week is pretty darn accurate. I'm reading Should exactly that. like it's written. I didn't. Real up. journalism. Real journalism. And then finally, Ben Freddy sends us five stars and says the best best Lions coverage there is. I'm stuck down in Texas. Thank God for podcasts. These guys know what they're talking about. Four exclamation points. Four. Count them. One, two, three, four. That's how much we know what we're talking about. We're doing real journalism. (laughs) That's a bit that got cut out because we had to rerecord like our entire offensive coordinator segment about Jeremy saying, this is, I'm a real journalism.
3: I am. Yeah. You know, what isn't real. The pro bowl. It happened. You can't deny that it's real. It happened, man.
1: Russell Wilson got sacked. Mac Jones got sacked. I saw it happen. Actually, I didn't. I didn't
2: watch. I it. was going to say if if a quarterback gets sacked in the woods and no one is there to see it, <laughs> did
3: it actually happen? If, if a quarterback gets sacked at the Pro Bowl?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is look, on one hand, this is always the worst week in the NFL calendar because we've gone from like insanely cool playoffs to a calm before the storm. And that always, and then somehow in that calm, the pro bowl sneaks in is like, Hey, you guys didn't forget about me, right? (laughs) Here I am. And then we're just all just feel gross and awful. And we're just like, why did, why, why are we still here just to suffer? But I don't know. Like I like the, I mean, this is, this is like maybe with me and kickoffs. I like kickoffs. I like the idea of an all-star game for a sport. Maybe it's because I grew up with like the all-star game for baseball still being as relevant as it is, but there's clearly something wrong across, not just across all sports, just football, but all sports, their all-star games are broken. Like first off, they're completely upstaged by skill skills contests now because people rightly surmise that most of these all-star games have zero low effort, Nothing really going into it. A lot of guys ducking out constantly, a lot of call-ups. Although our own Jonah Jackson did get the call-up, and he's a pro bowler, and I'm very happy for him. But as a viewing product, even before we started to bail in all-star games, the Pro Bowl was always the weird redheaded stepchild. And already, I mean, and it was take it's it's taken out of Hawaii. They do a lot of weird stuff with it. And I just, I I'd like to think at some point there is a way to save the pro bowl.
2: And I know I am probably wrong. You are, there's, there's no saving it. We're going to complain about it every year and it's going to continue to suck because there's nothing you can do. These not players true. are making business decisions as they should to not even come close to, to getting injured or or hurting their future by playing in this or playing hard in this. And so have fun at the skills composition complain about the actual game itself every year because it's never going to get better. And it, it can't because these guys are, are making business decisions. Like, I'm sorry. Like we just have to, we have to mourn the death of we're, Sean Taylor. Isn't coming back and lighten up punters. We should look back fondly on that era, but it's never coming back.
3: Pro bowl is dead. Deal with it. We don't need that, Jeremy. And you know what? I told you that I wanted to talk about the pro bowl because I think that the pro bowl is in more need of a revamping than the playoff overtime rules. And I want all that smoke that comes with that because here's how you save the pro bowl. Okay. You have to look at it in the same way that Chris's favorite sport looked at the all-star game, the NHL. Okay. Oh God. I don't (laughs) want to talk about that in the NHL. What they did is they changed the format to three on three. Sorry, go on. I'm sorry. So the NHL switched their all-star game format to being nothing that resembles like actual hockey and turning it into like a three on three, just like, like double. I think it's like a round robin elimination tournament, essentially make the pro bowl seven on seven. Don't have the players wear pads, turn it into flag football and it's going to be fun. It would be fun to watch. You would watch a seven on seven flag football game. Yes, you would. You would. You would. Well, you would I I I guess, I guess my question for is can,
1: I, I guess my original question is can I can it be saved without turning it into I I should
3: have amended it? Can it be saved without like completely changing the game itself? No. No. Okay. no. Because, like Jeremy said, p- the players are going to make business decisions. You, you don't want to see anybody get tackled and rolled up on and anybody's knee getting obliterated. I- non-contact injuries are going to happen no matter what. I guess, I guess
1: my question is, like, I, uh, the, the thing I've had with the All-Star Games is, like, how do we make it not a business decision? Like, I'm not asking these guys to give 120%. But I am asking for them to like at least play, you know, to, to make it so that it's it's clear that like people aren't going to duck out because it's an it's another football game. Like that there's a at the very least like there is an incentive to play in the game. There's an incentive to at least play, I don't know, 70 percent of your power. I mean, considering a lot of these guys are taking a few snaps, but also in that, like, I mean, just just in general, that. I get it. We, we have put these guys' careers completely in. Did you go to the playoffs? Did you get a Super Bowl ring? Yes. No. If not, you're the bomb that, that we need to somehow figure out a way to like recalibrate ourselves to that all-star playing matters. And I don't, I, yeah, maybe that doesn't happen.
2: I don't think it, I mean, we're play. It's a different era of players, right? Like people are dropping out of bowl games in college and those, those technically matter like for those universities. Right. The only, yeah. Yeah, the only way you can incentivize someone to play hard in the Pro Bowl is if you make it financially worth it, and the, the NFL is not going to do that.
3: It, it doesn't even have to be play hard. Like, just show up and play some quasi-form of football.
1: Yeah, and, like, you're not playing a ton of snaps because they have to keep rotating guys in because it is the Pro Bowl, and you have a lot of Pro Bowlers. There were, like, how many quarter – there was, like, what, four quarterbacks who played for the AFC, three who played for the NFC? Like, you're not going to play a full game. Like even just treat it like a preseason game.
3: I'll I'll be damned if you ever take away the opportunity for me to ever say Pro Bowl quarterback Mitch Trubisky. We need (laughs) things like that to happen. No, replace the
2: Pro Bowl with MVPs. MVPs. That's all we need. Mitch
1: Trubisky's keep that the most cursed award (laughs) in sports.
3: I love the disdain that Olin Kruitz has for the Chicago Bears. Did you see the tweet that he had yesterday? No. No. What was this? So he quote tweeted a picture of Mitch Trubisky saying like the last Bears quarterback selected to the Pro Bowl. He quote tweeted it and put alternate with an asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's
2: good. That's very good. Honestly, my solution to the Bowl is just get rid of the games and just make the skills competition the event period.
3: And you know what? that that could be entertaining if if you do it in some way where it's still like a competition. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean like and the skills contest as I said the skills contest have taken over for all four sports. Right.
2: It took over for the NHL. But, but they still don't highlight like that's the Saturday night the sun- Sunday night is like the big event which is the game and I don't which like, is know funny because that should yeah. not be the main event. Which
1: is funny too because the Saturday is the senior bowl and I feel like maybe it's us a little too close to the trees but you want to talk about the only all-star games that seem to matter the NFLPA collegiate bowl, the East West Shrine Bowl, once the Shrine game, and the, the Reese Senior Bowl. The so
3: they're college playing opportunities, all-star right? Games.
1: Yes. Yeah, and, and it's because they're opportunities
3: to go to the next level. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's hard when you look at the Pro Bowl and you say, like, this is a sport fundamentally where physical contact is an essential element of the game. Baseball, not an issue. Basketball, not an issue. Hockey kind of an issue like hockey is a physical sport but at the same time you can you can take out the physicality and still have an interesting game if you turn it into something that doesn't look like normal hockey do you know what i mean so that's sure, where right. and in baseball guys can still like the seven on seven thing.
1: i mean maybe in baseball there's guys not breaking their backs to go after a, you know a deep fly but you will still get like who who like someone running a triple every now and then, like you're going to get an amount, like you're, you're not going to have guys throwing 110 heat over the plate,
3: but you are going to get something that looks like a baseball game, a major league baseball game. Exactly. And Jeremy brought up a point that he champions and loves is that the two worst teams in the league should play one another for the number one overall pick. Nope. Nope. I don't think that's a real there.
2: There's like, that's a thing that people have put out there. It's a horrible idea.
3: That's a misapplication of taking what works in baseball for some hack hackneyed reason that I don't agree with at all whatsoever. Nobody
1: likes, but that's the thing. Nobody likes that in baseball,
3: that the all-star game winner
1: determines home field advantage in the world in the world series. That's awful. Nobody. It's terrible.
3: It's terrible. Remember when the game ended in a tie? (laughs)
2: Imagine you're a quarterback on one of the worst teams in the NFL. And there's a, there's a great quarterback at the very top, the one good quarterback at the top of the draft. What are you doing doing in that game? Are you you trying to bomb the game so that you don't win the first overall pick? (laughs) We just do
1: this every year. I just, I don't know. I like all-star games. Maybe it's me being the baseball fan. And like, I guess the the baseball all-stars stuck around long enough. And although actually this does bring us in speaking, you know what? New topic. We haven't done this in a very long time. We used to do a segment called Wally's World. In case you don't know, Ryan Matthews' father, Wally, um, is an avid consumer of sports and sports media. And every now and then in the past, we'd get tales from Wally uh, in one of two things. One of his obscene takes that he would, you know, come out of the ether with after listening to a lot of sports talk radio in Detroit. Or it would be a picture that Ryan would send out of a michigan ohio state game where wally is hiding behind the couch his his eyes and and forehead peeking up from beneath the, from from behind the headrest to watch the tv in terror we have a new, finally after how many years has it been ryan like three years we finally have a new wally's world what happened God. and it's and it's relevant to this
3: conversation it's 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 wild it's been a long time but uh the other day uh, on saturday i stopped over at my parents house and I, I walk in the door uh wally is is watching the 1971 mlb all-star game and like on, uh, on a
1: tape on like does he have it taped or was it on a tv somewhere was it on espn classic or what
3: probably the best answer it was on mlb tv that was how he was spending his wait the streaming service afternoon saturday not mlb network but mlb oh yeah the no he was watching the network oh okay okay so it was at least on cable tv okay Okay, but that's even more crazy because like he probably saw it on the TV guide and was like, "All right, this is how I'm gonna plan my Saturday." Like I, like I walked in and they're literally doing the announcements of the starting lineup. And as the players are running out before the announcer announces them, while he's like, "Brooks Robinson, Carl Ustremski," like just naming the ball players before they get announced from memory. And so that that's another, I guess that leads into like the No, no, no. real quick before we move on. So what did you, what did you ask? Did you
1: ask your father at all? It's like, why are you watching this game? Did you ask him, did you inquire at all as to why this was happening?
3: Now see a normal person would, but like, I know my dad. (laughs) So like, I just know that's one of his idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies is that he, he'll just watch what is on the programming at the time that he finds it convenient. So it's like, Oh, like I'll sit down and I'll drink a glass of water and eat some barbecue chips. And I'll watch the 1971 MLB all-star game. Um,
2: but so it's better games are
3: for boomers. It's. And well, I guess, that Hey, if it it's a profile, I love Bob Seger. I am a boomer. There's some kind of logical proof that leads leads me to liking all-star <laughs> games, I guess. But uh, Chris, I, I think the thing that you'll be most intrigued to hear is if I ever have a day off or if I ever have a half day, because my parents' house is really close to where I work, sometimes I'll stop over there. And, uh, oftentimes when I'm either talking to, to Wally or I am a, or I'm stopping over there midday, he's watching Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. On Undisputed. He's watching Undisputed. And wow. He watches it. He hate watches it because he hates Skip Bayless so much. See, now that's funny. I thought he would have hated Shannon Sharp. No, my, my dad hate watches it because he wants to, as he, always, as he always says to me, Skip Bayless, that jackass said X, Y, and Z today.
2: <laughs> I, I honestly don't believe anybody watches that show and does not hate one of the hosts. Like, I think that's... That's the point. You pick a side and you
1: root and you root yes. for it. Yeah, yeah. You're either on they, Skip Bayless's side and LeBron James' is, and like, you know, all these guys are overrated or you're on Shannon Sharp's side and he's putting on a goat mask and screaming.
3: <laughs> yeah, with a bottle of Hennessy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole point yeah. of that show is to yell at the TV. Yes. It's fun. It is. And, and I can tell it gets my dad fired up a little bit. So I think that's kind of how he... Yeah, I, I think that's how he he gets uh he gets his feathers ruffled every once in a while. Uh do we have time for one more segment
1: here? I mean, one more uh, topic here? Do you want to talk about the Super Bowl at all? Oh, well, we no, should like touch five on minutes. it. Yeah. Sure. So, I Who's playing? I I wanted <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently the Debe- the best Detroit-based Rams podcast, so I, I Jeremy, I wanted to like ask you though because like I'm noticing that there's like a lot of um, lot of chatter all of a sudden about if Stafford wins the Super Bowl, is he suddenly up for consideration for the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting the fact that that's now a conversation when last year it would have been ridiculous to even consider whether Matthew Stafford was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, our our good friend Michael Rostein put out an article. Um, talking to a bunch of former Lions and, and a lot of them say, like, oh yeah, if he wins that Super Bowl, like he's a lock. And then NFL network or NFL.com, I should say, did a whole like panel. Is he, is he, does he punch his ticket with a win? And listen, if any of you have followed me even for the past week, you know how much I'm in Matthew Stafford's camp. You know how much I'm excited to see him in the Super Bowl and have been rooting him for him every step of the way. That man does not have a Hall of Fame resume. He just doesn't. He, well, he like I, he's been to one pro bowl. He's never been an all pro to be a hall of fame quarterback. You have to be considered a top quarterback at your position for a span of year, an era. And Matthew Stafford has never, never, not even this year been considered a top five quarterback. He hasn't it's, it's the truth and stat me all you want. The only stats that Matthew Stafford is elite in, is yardage and attempts. That's it. That just means he throws the ball a lot. It means he throws the ball a lot. That's all. So you're calling him stat Padford. No, I'm not calling him stat Padford. Maybe maybe you can throw game winning drives in there. Fine. But now you're, now you're edging into, well, I quarterback wins territory. I do Mm -hmm. want to push back you
1: on you with one thing, because as you said, he's got like one pro bowl, no, all pros, zero MVPs, but I mean, you also led that tweet by also saying that like you just, y'all disrespected him for 12 years, ignored disrespect for 12 years. But again, I think part of that was if he had played for someone other than the lions, maybe that would have been like, a lot of those stats would have elevated him in those years uh, that he would have gotten more consideration. (laughs) No, I I know. I know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I, I get that. It's kind of frustrating that now that he's outside of Detroit and getting a lot more consideration all of a sudden, but I think that's kind of the politicking that goes on with hall of fame sometime. Maybe that, that like, yeah, it's okay. We ignored you in the past, but suddenly, Oh, now we see the stats. And if we get to the super bowl, then maybe he's, he is up for consideration. I don't think he will be. I, I kind of agree with you. I just want to play devil's advocate a little bit on that front. Is Eli Manning a hall of famer? I think he will be. And I hate in my opinion. Is, is he, Probably not. Because that's the one year, right, that you're going to quibble with was like Matthew Stafford's, what was it, 5,000-yard season and Eli Manning gets the nod over him for the Pro Bowl?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, Eli Manning is two Bowl two, two MVPs. Like, that. that is something that he has way over Stafford right now. And Stafford can get one. Right. He can get one this game. I don't know if he will. But Just there's, there's still I, a lot more work to do. A lot yeah. more work
1: to do. And even in the context of him being a Rams quarterback, you, you wrote about it, Jeremy, like, so a lot of people want to give a lot of credit to the rest of the team around him all of a sudden, right, like, like right. suddenly it was his responsibility when, you know, the Rams were losing in the middle of the season, or it was his responsibility for not beating over 500 teams in Detroit. Now all of a sudden what they're winning is like, well, it's Cooper cup.
2: I, I just think like, you think, you think in eras, right. You think about Matthew Stafford's era, who are the quarterbacks that he's going to be compared to in his era? I think we get like the 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 new quarterbacks of this era. We don't need to talk about. We don't need to talk about Patrick Mahomes. We don't need to talk about Josh Allen.
1: I, I, I guess I know where you're going with it, but this was a hell of an era that he came up in. Well, like, I, so maybe we have to expand the
3: net a little bit. Go on, I, Ryan. I, I, real quick, Jeremy. I don't think Stafford belongs. Like he kind of sits in this weird bubble of an era because he he comes. Way after you would consider Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, right? Right, sort of. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like significantly. Like you're talking about Tom Brady's first Super Bowls in 2001, right? But I, I mean, we have to see how
2: long Matthew Stafford lasts. But cur- currently, his entire career overlaps with Tom Brady's current entire. But who
1: career. are the other guys coming out in the late 2000s that you would like put? Well, him like
2: Matt, Matt Ryan is 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 I think the one that he'll ultimately compare to right now, and I think Matt Ryan has a much better resume
3: much better, huh? Yes. He has an MVP season, but he does, yes. he does, but uh, he, he does have an MVP season. And I, here's my point. So my, my overall point is that I think like you, Jeremy, you need to be the, at the top of your position for, uh, at, at least like one or two years. And I don't think you can ever say like without an MVP, Matthew Stafford has never been at the top and he's never made an all pro team. Like, so, like, without any of those things happening in his career, it's hard to put him in there unless you start to look at some of the other guys. Like, Dan Fouts is in the Hall of Fame because he threw for a bunch of yards. Never never made it to a Super Bowl. Never was one of the best quarterbacks. I, I, I don't think he ever made it to an all-pro team. Like, Eli Manning, by the same account, Eli Manning led the NFL in interceptions in three separate years that guy's a hall of famer because he won two super bowls and he has two super bowl MVPs. Like it it gets the, the, I think, I think qualifications get
1: really weird. Yes. Yes. That, that was my, that's the point. I, I think I'm with you there is like, the qual it's going to be far more about narrative than any kind of qual- like sure. bog state. Cause we're not, we're not standard with our qualifications. This is, this is all, That's this fair. is all beyond subjective. And some people can even trot out the line about how the hall of fame is, is a museum, which is what's used in the baseball hall of fame. Like, and I guess it's going to matter of, it's going to be a matter of what does Matthew Stafford
2: mean to his era? And, and up until this year, Nothing was the answer. Let, I mean, let's be honest. Matthew Stafford was not part of the t- 2000s, 2010s. He just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and I was banging the table that he should have been, but he wasn't. You could have written the history of the NFL up until 2021 without Matthew Stafford. And so now he's going to have to prove from now on that you have to include him. And Sunday is going to be a great opportunity for him to start that conversation. But that's just it.
3: He is starting the conversation on Sunday. He is not ending it. That's a great point. Did you know that Matthew Stafford led the league in interceptions this year? Yeah, I did. I did not know that. Yeah. Wild. Wild. Sean All right. Bay's not so smart, huh? Yeah. Final pick,
1: picks for the Super Bowl. Do you want to give those now or are you good?
3: For nope. Jeremy, final prediction for Jeremy, pain. No, nope. Rams Geation. win. That's no, not pain. Rams win. Oh, yeah. No, it'll be pain. Eh, it'll be a little pain. It'll be I a was little gonna pain. Say, I was going to say, you think the <laughs> NFC Championship hurt? It was It was just him standing in front of that big sign that says oh, Super yeah. Bowl bound. Imagine what it's going to be like when he's holding up the Lombardi trophy.
1: <laughs> so wait, he's standing in the Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I want to point out something. Jeremy's talking about someone standing in front of a sign. Do you point to the sign? I'm missing. I
2: don't know what's happening.
1: (laughs) I that's, that's fine. All right, let's get out of here. This has been the pride of Detroit POD cast. Um, This one's going to take a minute to put together. So I apologize for any delays. If there are any Uh, for myself, (laughs) for Ryan Matthews, for Jeremy Reisman, uh, thank you for sticking with us and we will see you star (laughs) side.